I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the interstate highway system. So grab your truck convoy. And let's get civical. everybody hello everyone welcome back to let's get civical i am as you know lizzie stewart i mean who else would you be who else could i possibly be literally so many people i have i could be a lot of people you do have multiple personalities i feel like that could be a thing thank you for, for saying you. that <laughs> um and i am arden walentowski i obviously obviously and today what do we have to say about today I feel... I feel like we're thriving more than the last time we recorded. We're in a better place. We are in a much better place. (laughs) We are in a healthier place. Healthier place. I feel like last week's episode, we started off with, we're in a bad mood. (laughs) We were in a bad mood. We were not healthy emotionally. We were not ready for the world. I have a full cup of coffee. It is my second cup of the day. Oh, yum. I just had my first. Um, so it's coursing through my veins. Great. I slept well. Great. Me too. You know, it's sunny. It's Huge. Sunny. Huge. That is a big help. And yeah, we're just, we're just taking each day at a time. <laughs> but I'm excited for today's episode topic because it's very near and dear 
like this subject is weirdly near and dear to me right now because as you have I told you this? I don't know if I've told you this. What are you doing? Maybe I have. But for our honeymoon, oh yes. Kyle and I – oh, I have told you this. So for the listeners who don't know, so I'm getting married this year, um, as you may or may not know. And our honeymoon, we decided we were like torn between, oh, should we go abroad? And then we were like, well, we're broke, so we're not going to do that. <laughs> um, so I was like, well, what can we do domestically that's like not – stereotypically Hawaii. Yeah. And I was like, the idea came to me. It felt like it came to me in a dream. Mm-hmm. And I pitched it to fiance Kyle and he was like, that's it. Mm-hmm. And so we decided that we are going to take a trip on the mother road, mm-hmm. Route 66, mm-hmm. uh, for our honeymoon for like two-ish weeks. Yes. Hit the open road. And um, go see, go see the sights. Listen, as somebody who has done two month-long road trips. Sure, you love it. With their significant other, I can tell you it is a blast. I'm excited. It is. We're excited. So fun. They're like the stuff you expect to do, the stuff you never thought would come up. Just like the little things that just happen every day. Yeah. Like the stuff that you think would be monotonous that you just kind of get into like a rigmarole of doing the stuff you mm-hmm. find, the places that surprise you. It is so much fun. And you're going to have a blast. You're going to have a blast. We're going to have a blast. And it's all brought to you by You say it. Dwight D. Eisenhower's interstate highway system. Like would not be possible without the highway system. Totally. I think what's ironic though is that the interstate is what killed Route 66. Oh, because, that's true. <laughs> because it like it was so efficient that people stopped using Route 66. Um, uh, uh-huh. So in that way, it is it is kind of a bummer. But but yeah, at the same time, um, very useful. Yes, system to get people conveniently to and from places. I just wish it wasn't at the expense of something as I think romantic as. Route 66. Sure. Like, I wish wish that, like, we could live in a world where both are valuable. It's valuable to be efficient. And it's also valuable to take your time, you know? Yeah. And to to take the long way around. Yeah. But I feel like we, especially, I feel like in the States, I I don't know as much about other countries, but, like, we value efficiency. We value you got to go, 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 get to the next thing. Well... And and we're going to talk about this when we get into the notes because and, – and, and we should get into them because they are lengthy today. Okay. They are lengthy. Well, not lengthy, but there's just more than we usually have because I didn't realize – I mean, obviously, there's a lot of information on the construction of the interstate highway system. Um, and mm-hmm. we rely on her so much and we never think about her. But the idea for them was born out of out of the, the fact that, like <laughs> – the roads were just so bad and so sure. inefficient. It wasn't sure. like we kind of had roads that kind of worked and meh, maybe we could have yeah. something better that would be, you know, a Solid. little bit, you know. We had like nothing. We had dirt that like I love it. was a paved path because the horses had been there and then the buggies had been there and then like the Model Ts had been there and that's all we had. And yeah, yeah I mean – and Dwight was like, "We're not. We're this. We're, we're done. We're done. Cutting this off. We're cutting, cutting this, this off. off. 
And his story and how he and his pa- his like legit passion for the interstate highway system is not just a political passion for it. It was like a mm. he has a personal history with it, which is a story sure. we'll talk about. So, I mean, he's from like Kansas. Like he has to know. But there's all, but it also a is a part of it. his like his um his journey through the army and, and all of sure, that sure, and the world right. wars. So yeah, it's, it's a whole, it, this is a much more interesting story than I thought it was going to be. And I was mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised yet again about our American history. I also want to say, so I'll say that the notes from the sources for this episode are the national archives, love the U S army love. Yeah. And history.com, obviously. Oh, <laughs> And I will say that I was not thinking about doing this episode. The idea for this episode came from our beloved. 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 We love you. We love you so much. Intern Houston. He's amazing. He is guys. amazing. He's amazing. We love him so much. He has been with us basically since inception. I mean, it, it feels like since the dawn of time. It feels like since the dawn of time. He is a he is a crucial member of this team. He is. He keeps a list of all the things we say we are going to do. <laughs> um, he keeps that list for us and sent us this list the other day and was like, "These are the things you guys have said you were going to do." And y'all, it's lengthy. And I was it's like, "Lengthy." We just we just talk out of our asses we do. when it comes to these we things. We're just we just. We Thank do. God. Thank God. Houston. Thank God for in Houston. Houston. We trust. In Houston, we trust. So Houston sent us this list of things we said we were going to do and we have not done. And on the list was the like the seven American engineering wonders. And I was like, oh my God, that's so Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, that's oh my God. so old. And yes. And I was like, oh my God, what are they? And how many have we done? So so far we've done two. So we're doing great, y'all. We're doing great. Hell yeah. We're without doing, even knowing. Without even knowing we're doing great. I mean, I think at some point we wondered out loud, like, how many there were and which ones there were sure. and blah, blah, blah. Sure. So we've done the Golden Gate Bridge. Obviously. Great episode. Great episode. We've done the Hoover Dam. Also a great also episode. Also fun. Also fun. A yep. great episode. So today we're doing the interstate highway system. Which I'm excited about. I'm so excited about. We all use it. <laughs> we all use it. A lot of we us, like, every day. It. Yeah left on the roster to do and we will do at some point Ooh, how fun yeah is the kennedy space center oh my god i've never been to the one in um is that the one in florida or the one in houston honey i have no idea i don't there's wait is it the one in because H- i've been to the one in houston obviously my god i think yeah that one the kennedy space center is the one in florida What's the one in Houston? Is this the Houston We Have a Problem Center? Space Center Houston. Well, that's where they like, like do the that's where they do the countdown. Like that's where the control room is. But right. they but it launches from um what's it called? From Florida. Right. Cape Canaveral. So Kennedy Space Center and then the Panama Canal. Okay, sure. Fun. Fun. With Teddy Roosevelt. Yep. The Trans Alaska Pipeline, which I know nothing about. Oh, I bet that's oil. And that sounds like oil. And then a super sad one, which we are saving to last because I can't touch it. Oh, God. Don't say the World Trade Center. It's the World Trade Center. So we got to do it from like an architecture perspective because. Yeah. 
I don't need to contribute to the coverage of no. what happened on 9-11. No. I feel like everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, there's too There's, yeah. There's certain things that we don't have to do on this podcast, mm. but I think the building of them yes. would be really fascinating. Yes. I want to do that. I want to do the building. You know, I feel like we all know what happened. So yes. <laughs> that's, that's that. That's that. Yeah. But yeah. So at some point we'll do those. Shout out to Intern Houston for sending us this list and... Y'all, we're going to work through it. It's extensive. It's extensive. It's extensive. We make a lot of promises. I I love how we're so obnoxious (laughs) as to be like, ugh, what are we going to talk about this week? I have no ideas. And meanwhile, Sweet Houston sending us over like 30 ideas being like, pick one. Pick one. Pick one of these. Like, you have ideas. Do you not remember you said this? (laughs) So the other thing we want to say about, about our beloved intern Houston is that he has written and directed and produced a play. The play is called My Husband. It is premiering at the New York Summer Theater Festival here in New York City at the Teatro Latia on the Lower East Side. It's running June 8th, 10th, and 11th. And we're going to share the link if you want to go see it. Lizzie and I are going to go see it. Houston is an amazing human being. We love him. He is the sweetest kind of soul. And he keeps us afloat and we support him. And he's a talented writer. And he's a talented writer, you guys. He's a talented oh, we're writer. So proud. We're so proud. And like Arden said, I will put this link on our link tree and our Instagram at Let's Get Civical. So go there if you want to buy tickets. Um, Because you should. You should. So this episode is dedicated to Houston, uh, who we love very much. And what better way to celebrate Houston than to talk about oh my God. the highway system, Y'all. the bedrock of America. The bedrock of America. The bedrock of our show. The bedrock of our show, the bedrock of America. Houston is our highway system. It's true. So let's jump into this episode talking about what we belovedly are calling the before time. So what we were dealing with pre-interstate system, pre-Dwight D. Eisenhower taking matters into his own hands. So today, there are more than 250 million cars and trucks in the United States, or almost one per person. So we're big on cars and trucks. Big on cars and trucks. Yeah. By contrast, at the end of the 19th century, there was just one motorized vehicle on the road for every 18,000 Americans. Not common, mostly for the wealthy. Yeah. Those cars... At the same time, most of those roads were not made of asphalt or concrete, but of packed dirt or mud. <laughs> which <laughs> sounds problematic. Which, like, what's the difference between packed dirt and mud? Like, one's wet? I think one's just wet. Packed dirt sounds, feels like uh, dust flying. Sure, sure. You know? Under these circumstances, driving a motor car was not simply a way to get from one place to the other. It was an adventure. Yes. This is coming from History.com. Yes. It was an adventure. It's off-roading, freewheeling, and dealing. Outside of cities and towns, there were almost no gas stations or even street signs, and rest stops were unheard of. The Brooklyn Eagle newspaper in 1910 once said, quote, Automobiling was the last call of the wild. Yes. Beep beep. Not a 7-Eleven in sight. This was about to change. 
1908, Henry Ford introduced the Model T, which we've done an episode about, you we guys. Have. Because it feels like we've done an episode about everything. So go listen to our episode on Ford's Model T, which was a dependable, affordable car that soon found its way into many American garages. By 1927, the year that Ford stopped making its, quote, tin Lizzie, <laughs> I always love that, end quote, the company had sold nearly 15 million of them. At the same time, Ford's competitors had followed its lead and begun building cars for everyday people. So basically, this is when you start seeing cars on the road, not just for the wealthy people, yeah. but also for like middle class. Right. They're not just like, they're not just toys. They're a way to get around. Right. Automobiling was no longer an adventure or a luxury. It was a necessity. We are moving and grooving. We are shaking and baking. A nation of drivers needed good roads, but building good roads was, you guessed it, expensive. Pricey. In most cities and towns, mass transit streetcars, subways, elevated trains were not truly public transportation. Instead, it was usually built and operated by private companies that made enormous infrastructural investments in exchange for long-term profits. Basically, private companies are building these things, mm -hmm. and it's not like government anything. Like, there's no, no regulation. It's just like... They're like, here's a... We I'm a company... Right. And we see a need. People need to get from yeah. point A to point B. The government isn't doing anything about it. People will pay. Yeah, can't regulate it. The people will pay to get from point A to point B because they their alternative is walking. Sure. Or horses. Which, so which let's give can. them a we trolley can. car. Yeah. And they can pay however much we want them mm -hmm. to. However, automobile interests, such as car companies, tire manufacturers, gas station owners, and suburban developers hoped to convince state and local governments that roads were a public concern. That way, they could get the infrastructure they needed without spending any of their own money. So the, the car companies don't want to do what, like, the train companies are no. doing and, like, put all of their money on the line. No. The car companies are basically like, don't you guys want good roads? Somebody should pay for that. Uh-huh. Mm, government, 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 mm -hmm. Money, please. Money, please. Their campaign was successful. In many places, elected officials agreed to use taxpayer money for the improvement and construction of roads. In most cases before 1956, the federal government split the cost of road building with the states. With one exception being, of course, the New Deal when federal agencies like the Public Works Administration and the Works Progress Administration put people to work building bridges and parkways, which we've done episodes on those too, Yeah, if you're interested in learning more about that. However, this funding arrangement did not get roads built fast enough to please the most ardent highway advocates. So this whole thing of like the government and the states kind of like doing it as like a duo was slow. It was And slow. also like, like anytime dance. we do it state by state, there's going to be like a mass difference mm -hmm. between like what Texas is doing versus Oklahoma yeah. versus Louisiana and whatever it's borders even, Louisiana. It's like still like today when you drive in from like Virginia to North Carolina and you cross that border and you're like, okay, we're going along. Like you can feel mm -hmm. and see when you cross that borderline. 
just a in the difference in the road. <laughs> it's how I feel crossing into New Jersey. I'm like, this is a dark place this to drive. Is dark. Not because of the condition of the roads, but like just a sidebar, the quickest sidebar. My people who are in New Jersey, how do you drive on your interstate? There are can the, the signage is so confusing and so conflicting. Every mm-hmm. exit has like six names. Mm-hmm. And and the system, the roads don't make sense. I make a wrong turn every single time mm-hmm. I step foot into the state of New Jersey. I feel yep. as though I'm fighting for my life yes. when I cross over into that state to drive. My other grievance with the state of New Jersey and their roadways is that there is no immediate way to get back from whence you came except to go oh, to totally. the next exit or perhaps the next couple so that you can come back and go yeah. again. Yeah. There's truly like I've missed and I've missed exits. I have missed turns. Mm-hmm. Because things are very confusingly yeah. labeled. Yeah. And then it adds like 25 minutes right. to my journey right. because I can't like. No. Oh my God. It's no. so frustrating. So frustrating. If we go upstate, I would absolutely rather take the Palisades if it tells me, even if it says this road it is going to add 15 minutes to your drive. I'm like, you know what, Google lady, I'll take that 15 minutes. Because you know what I, you know what I don't want to do is sit on the four in New Jersey mm. And perhaps yeah. end up in Pennsylvania because I took a wrong turn somewhere. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's no good. I'll stay in it's New no York. good. Shout out to our you listeners can. in New Jersey. Love you. You are fighting for your life every single day. Every single day. Every single day. So let's talk about these people who wanted to build an interstate highway system. Let's. So among these proponents, one of the loudest was the man who would become president, Army General Dwight D. Eisenhower. Love it. So we're going to take it back a little bit so we can understand Mr. Dwight D. Eisenhower's passion for the roadways. For the roads. It runs deep. Love it. And it is not unlike Lizzie's passion for Route 66. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So in the summer of 1919, just months after the end of World War I, an expedition of 81 army vehicles, otherwise known as a truck convoy. Mm-hmm. Hot set out from Washington, D.C. for a trip across the country to San Francisco. The convoy's purpose was to road test various Army vehicles and to see how easy or how difficult it would be to move an entire Army across the North American continent. It is a fair. I mean, you got... Sure. Yeah. they Test it out. They just came back from the war and they were like, y'all, what if this happened to us? You know, I bet they were over there, right? I bet they were fighting the fight and what the sort of main players of the army figured out was wow because this is like this is one of the first wars where we're really transitioning from like horseback to vehicles right and i feel like they were over there being like wow this is a lot harder than we thought it was yeah we gotta get our ducks in a row yeah 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 because god knows like Yes, the war is over, but there's still the threat. Like, right. is it over? Right. You know, and this isn't we the last go home war. And just get our ducks like, in we row. know there's going to be another war at right. some point. Right. Like, come on, humans are humans. Yeah. Let's call a space. Humans are humans. <laughs> We're going to do this again. We're going to do this again. So let's be prepared. So they're driving these tanks, this truck convoy. They're not tanks, but like truck convoy across the country from DC to San Francisco. 
Mm-hmm. The convoy assumed wartime conditions, damage or destruction to railroad facilities, bridges, tunnels, and the like, and imposed self-sufficiency on itself. Averaging about six miles an hour or 58 miles a day, that is so slow. That is so slow. That is so, oh my God. I, we could do 10. <laughs> if I'm in that car, I'm just like... <laughs> You, you can't see, see me. You can't see Lizzie, but she's just rocking, about to die. Just rocking back and forth. Six miles an hour. I can walk faster. You actually, you could. You could. You could get to California faster than they did if you I walked I could get to it. California faster than these guys. Yeah. <laughs> the trucks snaked their way from Washington up to Pennsylvania and into Ohio, then due west across the agricultural Midwest the Rockies, and into California. Generally, it followed the Lincoln Highway, later known as US-30, arriving in San Francisco 62 days later and 3,251 miles later. I mean, it's no wonder. I know we're going to get more into it, but like, it's no wonder to me that Dwight Dwight D. Eisenhower went through this experience and was like, there's got to be a better way. Right, right, right. right. Because if you didn't walk away from that being like, there's got to be a better way. You're insane. (laughs) He's just sitting in that slow little truck for 62 days, two months, with nothing better to do than to think about how absolutely inefficient this is. No wonder he came up with a fully fledged, thought out interstate system. That man had nothing but time just sort of slowly riding in that little truck. (laughs) He literally was like, more lanes... Make them even. Make them even. The fuck is Make, the problem? We also need it to be like, I'm sure the ground wasn't sturdy enough to, like, you don't want to go 60 miles an hour no. when there's, like, craters and potholes right. and mud right. and, or dirt. Right. You know, like, that's why they're having to go so slow is because the roads are also, like, treacherous for vehicles to drive on. And right. I'm sure they're having to, like, swerve and then go back it's like and he's just he's literally watched me he's in the car just like just pissed off just just pissed off this is amazing oh man if you want something done put a put a guy in a slow truck for 62 days and watch what happens this is truly you know what this became he's literally in an actual literal think tank (laughs) (laughs) that's all he could do what else is there to do i know because even if you're the one driving and you have something to do to, like, stimulate your mind, you're still going six miles an hour. I think that would be more frustrating to right, be like, right. I just want to Thelma and Louise this truck off a cliff. Six miles an hour? Are you joking? Are you joking? Oh, my God. Yikes. Oh, my God. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. The convoy involved 24 army officers, 258 enlisted men. <laughs> enlisted men. <laughs> they brought so many people. They brought so, so many, many people. people. One of those oh. officers, a young lieutenant colonel, went along as a tank corps observer, quote, partly for a lark and partly to learn, he wrote decades later. Hint, hint, that's... Dwight D. Eisenhower. Dwight. Yeah. Quote, we were not sure it would be accomplished at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no shit. Nothing <laughs> of the sort had ever been attempted. Close quote. The convoy made a lasting impression on the young Dwight D. Eisenhower and stoked in him an interest in good roads that would last for decades. <laughs> no one will ever <laughs> suffer the way I suffered in those 62 days. I, I- if it's the last thing I do. Yeah. I I love that he was in this truck just sort of going six miles an hour, sitting there for 62 days, and he thought to himself, nobody should have to suffer like this. <laughs> no, no no man, woman, or child should ever have to suffer like this way. No. No. This is this is unbearable. A generation later, during World War II, Dwight D. Eisenhower was still thinking about good roads as a supreme allied commander in Europe, where he oversaw the invasion of Western Europe and the defeat of Nazi Germany, which was able to move quickly on the autobahns running throughout Germany. Autobahns being the roads. He, oh my god, he's like, he's like, he's like sp- fast and furious in Germany, like, he's He's watching the Germans be like zipping all over the place on their roads, carrying out yeah. their horrible, you know, genocide. Yeah. Being like, look at these motherfuckers on their roads. <laughs> they're going 20 miles an hour. <laughs> look at all the, I mean, they're doing horrible things and they got roads. Like we need fucking. They have roads. They have roads. This, this is crazy. Later, as president of the United States, Eisenhower cited the 1919 convoy where he's going six miles an hour in his buggy mm-hmm. and his World War II experiences to persuade Congress to enact the Federal Aid Highway Act of 1956, creating what is now known as the Interstate Highway System. Quote, the old convoy had started me thinking about good two-lane highways, he wrote years later in his popular memoir, At Ease. But Germany made me see the wisdom of broader ribbons across the land. I love that his whole life, I guarantee you, (laughs) at every dinner party, 
Dwight found somebody that he had never met before, like somebody new, and was like, Do you know, in 1919. And then once he said that, all of his friends were like, oh, my God, not the convoy story again. Dwight. He, he, yeah, he was in a convoy. It was 62 days. Like, this is something that he... Every... This became his whole personality, was this 62-day convoy. This is his party story. Absolutely. I imagine that once he became president, he gets to Congress, he starts his, like, politicking and, he you know, making his deals. And I bet Congress was like, Dwight, we will give you this interstate system if we never have to hear the convoy story again. <laughs> If you promise us now that we do not have to hear about this, yeah, we'll, we'll do whatever we'll do it. it takes. We'll do it. We'll do whatever it takes to get you to stop talking about this convoy. <laughs> but I don't think you understand. It was 62 days. No. 62 days. No. No. Got no, it. No. Got you it. sign on the dotted line? That we'll give story? You, here's bye a bye. blank check. Blank check. Bye-bye. So now let's talk about the Clay Committee, because you know we don't do anything in this country we without need a, committee. a committee. You gotta study gotta it. Gotta get a committee. You gotta you study You have an it. idea? Let me get the committee. Instrumental in the logistics success following the D-Day landing was Lieutenant General Lucius Clay. Okay. Of the Clay Committee. Mm-hmm. He was a key aide to Eisenhower during the war and later when Eisenhower ascended to the presidency. In 1954, Eisenhower appointed Clay to head the President's Advisory Committee on the National Highway System. So he's like, this is when this is when the ideas are percolating. He's like, Lucius, you know how I feel about the roads. Yeah. And Lucius is like, please don't start. I know. What I know. do you need? The convoy. What do, what do you need? Yeah. And he was like, I want a committee to figure out the roads. And Lucius was like, whatever will make you stop talking about the roads I, I will do it. Yes. I will take so on the now he's the, the president roads. of this committee right. to talk about the roads. Yeah. The so-called Clay Committee began work to develop a national highway plan, and its outcome was a report to Congress on the National Highway Program. The resulting, quote, grand plan, end quote, obligated $50 billion of federal funds over 10 years to build a vast system of interconnected highways. The report cited 36,000 traffic fatalities each year and the multi-billion dollar effect on the economy. It was also thought poorly maintained roads adversely affected the economy by increasing transportation costs, which were ultimately borne by the consumer. So it's like people are dying. People because are dying. the roads are bad. Not good. It's bad for the economy. It's costing which people us care money. more about than if people are dying. Not good. It, I love that it's like people are dying, but even worse, the economy. Right. It's the economy, stupid. Additionally, the pervasive threat of nuclear attack in the United States called for the ability to execute the emergency evacuation of large cities and the quick movement of troops essential to national defense so they're like look we i the the u.s is so obnoxious right like the united states introduces nuclear weapons to the world (laughs) right like the use of nuclear weapons and then they turn around and they're like due to the threat of nuclear weapons that we have brought to the world 
um, we have to fix the roads in case nuclear weapons, once again, that only we have used against other people, um, comes to our doorstep. So let's get this figured out. Like, how obnoxious are we? Also, please see the 1919 convoy when we tried to do this before, and it went really bad. And then there was this convoy. I've got to tell you. It's so it was so bad. 62 days. So Can bad. you imagine that? Can you imagine 62 so days going six miles an hour? Like, you, you – honestly, a nuclear attack would be preferable right. to 62 days on the road. <laughs> Lastly, improvements in transportation must keep up with the expected increase in U.S. population. This is all, again, from the Clay Committee's report. Moreover, road improvement is essential to the economy, once again, and an efficient use of taxpayer money. So those are the highlights of the report, just to kind of summarize. So number one, people are dying. Lots of fatalities on the roads as they currently are. Big concern. Number two, bigger concern. It's suffering. The economy is suffering because it's not efficient to get to and from places. And that makes things more expensive. Number three, nuclear attack. We dropped bombs and now we could possibly have bombs dropped on us. Concern. We need to be able to evacuate. We need to be able to evacuate, although it's not exactly clear how getting away from the nuclear bomb, like their nuclear, like their- Sure. I mean, well, it's the same, it's the same theory of like duck and cover, right? Where it's like, yeah, get under your table. Sure. (laughs) For the bomb. That'll save you. Uh, You know, like it doesn't matter where you are. Right, right, right. And then finally, for the other point that they're making is that the the soldiers are back. Everybody's getting down to it. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a boom in population. And that's the highlights of the report. So then they entered a testing phase. Well, sure. You got to test. You got to test. Of course, it was conducted by the Department of Defense because... Fundamentally, I think they were like, yeah, 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 the cars, the civilians, great, economy, great. But really, they were like, they were worried about nuclear war and Eisenhower, uh, you know, was a general and this all came from a convoy and his time in World War II. So it's like, this is where this is living. So they enter a testing phase. A large scale urban evacuation drill. Conducted in June of 1955, drove home the importance of an evacuation plan. So they decided to conduct a testing phase. They decided to evacuate an urban population to yep. see how. And this is pre highway system, like with things as is. They're like, nuclear war, now that we've introduced this bomb, you know, we had to do it, but now it's out there. Now we're going to have, like, we should just have a plan in place. So let's, like, try and and evacuate an urban center. Um, It did not go well. The ensuing confusion, coupled with crowded evacuation routes, seemed to make President Eisenhower's case for the international highway system. See? 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 It didn't work. There's no place for them to go. Now imagine you're going six miles an hour. Right. (laughs) (laughs) With children and wives who are like, so bad. So So bad. bad. The administration was serious about the role of a uniform system of roads for national defense and directed Department of Defense involvement. When the international highway system began in earnest, a testing facility was created in central Illinois to evaluate pavement, road standards, and construction techniques, among other things. So, like, they did it right. They're like, 
Right, yeah, just I'm like, all about this. I'm yeah. like, they didn't just lay stuff down. No. They're like, all right, let's go figure out what the best stuff is to use right. for these roads. Right. They weren't just like. I'm all for it. I'm Dwight's all for it. thorough. This is doing... a passion project. Right. He's like, because he knew. He knew from the 62 days. He's like, let yeah. me tell you what does not work. Dirt. Dirt, mud. Dirt, mud. You got to watch out for everything that's out there. Boulders, mountains, hills. We're probably going to yeah. need to blast. Yeah. You know, like we got to make sure it lasts a while. So they're testing. They're testing pavement types, road standards, construction techniques, lots of things. Mm-hmm. The Department of Defense contributed equipment and personnel for the tests. Military leaders knew from their experiences into previous world wars that roads were vital to national defense. Yeah. Yeah. Over a two-year period, Army trucks drove 17 million miles on test roads. That's a lot. I mean, they're thorough. I'm appreci- yeah, I appreciate I, it. This is great. Some vehicles carried blocks of concrete in an effort to see how long a 24-ton truck would take to destroy roads and bridges. Great. Okay. Okay, great. Great. Because you know what? Zoom back and forth. I would happily drive over that bridge then. Like, if it it could hold that, great. Yeah. Great. Great. I'm all for it. So let's talk about passing the law that really got the ball rolling, that made this uh, this dream, all this work that we've been doing, all this testing that we've been doing, a reality. It took several years of wrangling, but a new Federal Aid Highway Act passed in June 1956. The law authorized the construction of the 41,000-mile network of interstate highways that would span the nation. It also allocated $26 billion that's a billion with a B, to pay for them. Under the terms of the law, the federal government would pay 90% of the cost of expressway construction. The money came from an increased gasoline tax, now three cents a gallon instead of two, that went into a non-divertible highway trust fund. The new interstate highways were controlled access expressways with no at-grade crossings. That is, they had overpasses and underpasses instead of intersections. So you get to just keep going straight. Right. If you don't want to get off. If you need to cross over, you'll go under it mm-hmm. or you'll go over but it. You can't just join it at any point. Can't go you through gotta it. get on and you can get off. Mm-hmm. But like... There's no just, just like, like willy-nilly walk it, like getting yeah. on it. It's not just a random, yeah. it's not a traditional road. They were at least four lanes wide and were designed for high-speed driving. They were intended to serve several purposes. Eliminate traffic congestion. Replace what one highway advocate called, quote, undesirable slum areas, end quote. <laughs> okay. Problematic. Make coast-to-coast transportation more efficient. And make it easy to get out of big cities in case of an atomic attack. Yeah. I love how they just keep tacking that one at the end, right? <laughs> They're like, we want to make it easier to get to and fro. It's better for the economy, better for farm farmers to get their product to mm-hmm. stop market and nuclear attack. That's it. Just those, just those things. Just those things. Just, just in case. Just in case. So... It wasn't all peachy keen jelly bean. There was some opposition to the interstate highway system... 
Not at, not at first, but once things got underway, people were like, oh, I don't know that I like all of this building. Sure. Seems messy. So when the Interstate Highway Act first passed, like I said, most Americans did support it. Soon, however, the unpleasant consequences of all that road building began to show. Most unpleasant of all was the damage the roads were inflicting on the city neighborhoods in their path. They displaced people from their homes, sliced communities in half, and led to abandonment and decay in city after city. People began to fight back. The first victory for the anti-road forces took place in San Francisco, where in 1959, the Board of Supervisors stopped the construction of the Double Decker and Bacardero Freeway along the waterfront. During the 1960s, activists in New York City, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., New Orleans, and other cities managed to prevent road builders from eviscerating their neighborhoods. As a result, numerous urban interstates end abruptly. Activists called these roads, roads to nowhere. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, basically, you know, the it's not as though they're building these highways on just, like, flat farmland. Like, they're no. truly, like running through towns that already exist and right. if you are in the way of the the road like they're gonna make you move right they're gonna imminent domain the shit right out of your home right and then who wants to live next to a highway it then immediately devalues right i mean they are your running property your town your city right they are running across vast stretches of farmland but they the whole point of them is to get people out of the cities in the event of the atomic attack of course. Yeah. <laughs> and Hence. for farmers to get their goods to the city because people need to buy the goods. So, of right. course, the highways need to go to the city. Right. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. I get it. I get it. So let's conclude talking about how it's aged. This is an old system now by our standards. It's been around for golly, do that math. 56, 70 years. 60, 70 years? Despite the convenience and ease of movement, the IHS is showing its age. When funding was appropriated in 1956, planners knew that at some point, roads, bridges, and various infrastructure would deteriorate. I mean, these are materials that don't, you know, nothing lasts forever. You have to upkeep it. The international highway system was expected to last only into the 1970s when improvements would be needed, which is not a long time before improvements are needed. I mean, that's like 10 years, basically. Yeah. The 1956 appropriation ran out in 1972, and current funding is sustained by the motor fuel tax, which is funneled into a trust fund. So we're still paying for the roads the same way we always have been through this tax on gasoline. The international highway system's disrepair was highlighted in July of 2007 with an unfortunate tragedy in Minnesota. On one summer day near Minneapolis, a section of a steel arch bridge on Interstate 35 collapsed into the Mississippi River. The accident killed 13 people and injured another 145. I mean, this is everybody's nightmare when you're crossing yeah. a bridge. You think like, what if this bridge fell? Right. What would I do? And I'm in a car, fell. you know? <laughs> and it fell. The accident remains one of the worst bridge failures in U.S. history, 
and it highlights the poor condition of the nation's infrastructure. At the time of the incident, approximately 150,000 of the nation's nearly 600,000 bridges, quote, were considered either structurally deficient or functionally obsolete. And that's according to a 2012 ABC News report. I don't like my bridges to be functionally obsolete. No, that does not we sound We talk good. about this. Yes. We talk about this. We no. don't, I just, oh, I just want the bridges to be okay. The bridges to be okay. I want the buildings to be okay. The fire escapes to be okay. Things. Everything to be okay. Buildings and structures that I live in, cross. Okay. That I need to to escape onto, need to be yeah. in or on or cross to get somewhere. Yeah. I would like them to be structurally sound. But we have to upkeep our infrastructure it is in true. order for that to be the case. It is true. That's why you always hear like a big buzz around infrastructure. Biden has a big buzz around infrastructure. Yeah. It's like we actually do have to put money into the yeah. roads. Yeah, we have to they put money into the roads. Collapse. There's always like a big buzz around happen. the infrastructure no, bill. You guys, I don't even know. Like, support the roads. Support <laughs> infrastructure. <laughs> you know? Support the roads. Support the roads. I just want them to be okay. What do okay. we want? Roads. When do we want them? Now. Now. <laughs> uh. But that is our episode on the interstate highway system. Shout out to Dwight D. Eisenhower and that 1919 convoy. If he hadn't sat in a slow ass oh truck for God. 62 days, you wouldn't be able to get from point A to point B. No. In half the time. So be glad that was all he could talk about. <laughs> uh, with that said, that's our episode. And as always, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye. <laughs>